Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. Visit the website, naplesillustrated.com. And when you do, uh, subscribe to On the Town. It's a weekly email that you'll receive about the highlights of things going on in the Paradise Coast. We've got terrific guests uh, for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. Pastor Rick is a uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're talking about some important announcements they've made this past week about education in Florida. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, will be joining us. Uh, Byron Donalds, our state representative and uh, candidate for U.S. Congress. And Naples Mayor Bill Barnett, at least until April the 1st, uh, Bill Barnett will be joining us as well. It is March the 26th. Can you believe March is going away so quickly? And on this day in 1979, in a ceremony at the White House, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin signed a historic peace agreement uh, ending three decades of hostilities between Egypt and Israel and establishing diplomatic and commercial ties. Less than two years earlier, in an unprecedented move for an Arab leader, Sadat traveled to Jerusalem, Israel, uh, to seek a permanent peace settlement with Egypt's Jewish neighbor after decades of conflict. Uh, Sadat's visit, in which he met with Begin and uh, spoke before Israel's parliament, was met with outrage in most of the Arab world. Despite criticism from Egypt's regional allies, Sadat continued to pursue peace with Beg- Begin. Megan, I'm sorry. And in September 1978, the two leaders met again in the United States, where they negotiated an agreement with U.S. President Jimmy Carter at Camp David, Maryland. The Camp David Accords, the first peace agreement between the state of Israel and the one in Arab neighbors, uh, laid the groundwork for diplomatic and commercial relations. Seven months later, of course, a peace uh, treaty was signed. For their achievements, Sadat and Begin were jointly awarded the 1978 Nobel Peace Prize. Sadat's peace efforts were not so highly acclaimed in the Arab world. Uh, Egypt was suspended from the Arab League, and on October the 6th, 1981, Muslim extremists assassinated Sadat in Cairo. Nevertheless, the peace process continued without Sadat, and in 1982, Egypt formally established diplomatic relations with Israel. It's been such an interesting relationship. Of course, uh, Egypt uh, survived the uh, awakening in in, uh, the Middle East uh, and uh, ended up getting a new president, uh, replacing the Muslim Brotherhood. And uh, right now, peace prevails between the two nations. Well, the S&P 500 rallied for a second straight session yesterday as the U.S. Senate appeared to near a vote on $2 trillion package to support businesses and households devastated by the coronavirus pandemic. Wall Street trimmed hefty gains late in the session. It was up over 1,000 after reports raised, I'm talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average Futures, or or, uh, uh, rate, uh, reported doubts about how quickly the bill might pass, but the S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average still ended up more than 1% and 2% respectively. Boeing surged 24%. Uh, bringing its gain up over the past three sessions to almost 70% as investors bet on government support for the aerospace industry as well as airlines. Yeah, Dow Jones Industrial Average was up, how much? Uh, let's see, 2.39%. U.S. equity futures are trading lower ahead of today's jobless claim numbers. Uh, they're down, uh, the futures are down about 100 right now. They were worse earlier, uh, a couple hours ago. The major future indexes are indicating a decline of about 1.6% when trading begins today. Jobless claims are expected to surge to 1 million last week, with estimates running as high as 4 million as efforts to contain the coronavirus triggered a wave of layoffs and brought the U.S. economy to a virtual standstill. That's just amazing to go out in the streets right now. They're vacated. Hardly anybody around. Some people are out walking, riding bikes, and so forth. But uh, everything is locked down right now, and it's all voluntary, which is, I heard a statistic that 96% of the people are uh, social distancing. That's good. 
So people are trying to prevent something happening that could, for example, is devastating northern Italy right now. Uh, Former Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke predicted the U.S. economy is headed into a sharp recession that shouldn't last. It's possible there's going to be a very sharp, short, I hope short, uh, recession in the next quarter because everything is shutting down. If there's not too much damage done to the workforce, to the businesses during the shutdown period, however longer than uh, however long it may be, there could see a fairly quick rebound. He said, "That's good news." So, by a vote of 96 to nothing, the Senate passed a massive $2 trillion coronavirus stimulus compromise just before midnight last night, ending days of deadlock and sending a bill to the House of Representatives, which House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said will soon take up historic measure to, they'll bring up the measure to bring relief to individuals, small businesses, and larger corporations with strong bipartisan support, she said. So it's so interesting, though. Do you remember when she made the comment, you know, we need to pass the bill so we can read it? That's what she said. Well, she brought the legislative session together for about five minutes yesterday and then said, yeah, here's read the 880-page legislation. Uh, I think she's going to be playing legislative games here in the last second. But I think she understands that the president's popularity is growing right now. And if she doesn't take quick action and get this thing passed, there could be political uh, uh, price to pay. So uh, Mitch McConnell appeared somber and exhausted as he announced the vote. He released senators from Washington until April the 20th, and he promised to recall them if needed. 96 to 0 in the United States Senate, President Trump wrote on Twitter. Congratulations, America. The unanimous vote came despite misgivings on both sides about whether it was going to go too far or not far enough. The vote capped days of difficult negotiations as Washington confronted a national challenge unlike any it's ever faced in the past. Unemployment numbers were set to be uh, revealed today, and experts warned they could be alarming and reach new highs. Package is going to provide just a couple of things here. I'll review it. I think most people have seen this, but about $1,200 per adult, making up to $75,000, which is going to be reduced by $100, uh, $5 for each $100 the taxpayer makes over $75,000. $150,000 applies to couples, and $112,500 threshold for heads of households. The legislation passed by the Senate <clears throat> will use. 2019 tax returns if available or not, if not, 2018 tax returns. Uh, by the way, the, of course, the uh, deadline for filing 2019 tax return is July the 15th. So my guess is most people will hold off filing the taxes, or at least maybe they'll file them, but would hold off making payment to the IRS. And by the way, the IRS has uh, suspended most of its operations in terms of collections and so forth. Uh, they're dealing with the coronavirus just like the rest of us, but it's uh, good news for those that are under audit or those types of things. Uh, so further, the bill will allocate $250 billion to extend unemployment insurance to workers and lengthen the duration to 39 weeks from uh, the normal 26 weeks. 600 extra dollars a week will be provided for four months. Just before voting final package began Wednesday, the Senate was debating an amendment from uh, our senator, uh, for people getting two, they actually would be getting sometimes in some cases more money uh, than they would if they were working on unemployment. That's not healthy and that's not good. But uh, I just, finally, they they hashed this things out, this thing out. And fortunately, uh, there's some things like uh, airlines are going to receive twenty five billion dollars for workers' salaries and benefits. Plus, up to $25 billion more in loan guarantees and con- contract workers will also receive $3 billion in assistance. That's all good news. About $17 billion is going to go to other distressed companies like Boeing, which is seen as essential to national security, and approximately $200 billion will be provided in tax assistance to small businesses, including uh, through payroll tax deferrals. That's all good news. Things that Pelosi wanted, uh, like uh, climate change-related emissions restrictions for airlines and diversity-related provisions. Remember remember Barack Obama's stimulus program over a trillion dollars? 
he said, well, some of these things just aren't shovel-ready like we ex expected. Well, if the money was spent on ridiculous notions and foolish things, this thing has been uh, pared down, and I, certainly we don't agree with a lot of it, but uh, nevertheless, you don't see things in it like ballot harvesting or minority banks or uh, some of the things, the outrageous things that were expected uh, by the Democrats. So they're backing off of that. There was $25 billion a uh, million dollars allocated for the Kennedy Center. Now I'm I was I'm former board chairman of uh, the Gulf Shore Playhouse. Uh, where's our 25 million? Well, anyhow, I guess it's because right there in Washington D.C. So it's a good package, and it's going now. Finally signed and passed last night around midnight. It's going now to the House of Representatives. Uh, there'll be some posturing and preening by uh, <laughs> by uh, Nancy Pelosi and her minions. Uh, Chuck Schumer, crying Chuck, is uh, taking credit for the bill. He's saying it's a lot of a lot of the stuff that he wanted is right there in the bill. So interesting to watch the watch the legislative process. It's incredibly complex and foolish in so many regards, but at least uh, got her done. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Pastor Rick Stevens, one of my local heroes, quite frankly. He and Keith Law co-founded the Florida Citizens Alliance and are having a tremendous impact on policy and legislation in Florida with regard to uh, public education, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to visit with Pastor Rick, right, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulfshore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulfshore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, one of my local heroes. It's Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Bob. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance and the good work you do. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots alliance of people who care about children and want to improve public education in Florida. We work together with a lot of people in groups who share that aspiration, and we really work to try to help solve the problems and bring solutions to the, to the table for public education in Florida. And recently we've been working on a couple of projects with the Department of Education, uh, the, the new BEST standards was something we worked on, and also people may have heard about the HOPE Scholarship, and we're working to make people aware of that as well. Yeah, and uh, of course, these are not the things that are on people's minds right now because of the coronavirus, but I, I think it's important. This HOPE Scholarship thing is a big, big deal. Maybe you can tell us. I understand you have a hotline for it. Yes, well, the HOPE Scholarship is a is a very big deal. This is a not a Florida Citizens Alliance initiative as such, although we're helping get the word out. This was a state of Florida initiative. A couple of years ago when Richard Corcoran was Speaker of the Florida House, at his initiative, the legislature passed the HOPE Scholarship. Governor signed it into law. And essentially what the HOPE Scholarship is, it's a scholarship for students who are a victim of bullying, intimidation, threats, harassment, any of those kind of things at school, on the school bus, at a school-sponsored activity, at a school-related activity. All of those students who face those kinds of challenges are eligible for the HOPE Scholarship. The, there's no problem with the, the concept. There's no problem with the money being available. The problem seems to be people don't know that there's relief for their students who are bullied. And so what we're trying to do is get the word out to let parents and grandparents and anybody who cares about kids and having a good, safe learning environment to let them know the HOPE Scholarship is here. It's available to them. All they have to do is ask for it. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, of course, the, they, they don't have to prove the bullying. Once they claim that there's bullying going on, the, this immediately opens up for parents. And it's just really important that they understand there's another arrow in their quiver. In my mind, this is uh, kind of the camel's head in the tent. This is, uh, can lead to more and more uh, parental choice for the kids and where they go to school. It really does. And, and parents need to realize that that this is available for them, the kids need to, to be aware that they don't have to put up with the, the bad behavior of anybody in the system. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of times we think about, <clears throat> pardon me, a lot of times we think about bullying as student on student, but it's also, the, the bill also, the law also covers any kind of harassment at school. If, if, the, if a teacher is bothering a student in a way that, that makes them uncomfortable, if a, another school employee or even if a vendor on campus a school bus driver, anything that intimidates or harasses or threatens a child qualifies for the HOPE Scholarship. Yeah. And all the parents have to do is report that to the school, and they have to fill out a form that's a notification, simply a notification that this has happened that immediately makes them eligible for either a scholarship to a school of their choice or to a transportation voucher to transfer to another public school. Yeah. So it's really a great thing. Uh, and it's really a wonderful opportunity that the state of Florida has made available to parents and students to help them avoid some of these difficult situations. Absolutely. And the uh, your website, uh, goflca.org, goflca.org has details on the hotline as well as uh, new information. I, you have uh, announced, come out with an announcement this morning, that uh, you are really pleased with the new standards replacing Common Core. Yes, well, we were part of crafting those standards. We helped the, uh, the Florida Department of Education get acquainted with some experts, some national experts that work to, to advise them and help write the standards. And when the, we have been promised all along, and, and we're pretty, uh, how should I say, ornery sometimes about saying to the, the people at the Department of Education, and, and specifically to Richard Corcoran, are we going to get this right? Because there was a lot of concern because other states ha hadn't gotten them right. They had just kind of made an effort at it, made it look like they were getting it right. But really what resulted was Common Core uh, slightly modified. Right. But 
Commissioner Corcoran said all along, we're going to get this right, and we're really pleased they got it right, and all Florida children will benefit from that. Yeah, that's that's big news, and I know that uh, your fingerprints are all over these new standards. I know that you are very supportive in providing expert help to uh, in writing these standards, so congratulations on the work that you've accomplished. I think it's really a big deal. You know, uh, it, it just occurs to me, and since you're very concerned uh, in your uh, citizen active, activist uh, role in Tallahassee, uh, this coronavirus may have some impact and may have some benefits when it's all over about uh, education. Uh, it seems to me that kids uh, can learn at home a lot more than they do right now in the, in the public schools. Well, it is a, a, a time of adjustment and a time to think differently. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I remind myself when we go through challenges like this is what does this make possible? Mm-hmm. Instead of being in despair about all the problems, what does this make possible? And one of the things we're seeing is that it makes possible online learning, and the schools are working very hard to get that out. And I think we should appreciate their efforts. This is not a simple thing. It's not just as simple as flipping a switch and suddenly everything is set up for online learning. It's an enormous challenge, and, and we need to be supportive and helpful uh, in any way we can with that. But the other thing the parents need to think about that is if they're going to be working with their children at home, this is an opportunity to consider homeschooling. Right. And there are some alternatives that uh, are related to, to homeschooling that aren't maybe what people think, that they're all on their own or all by themselves. There are some groups that will help. One of them locally that we've talked to is Classical Conversations. They have a really, really excellent model for education. They get really good results. Parents are supported in the process of teaching their children. And their scores on national tests are really excellent. So one of the things parents ought to think about is maybe homeschooling is for my child and maybe I can do this when I didn't think it was possible and maybe that'll get them in a better environment than they have at school and maybe it's right for their students. Yeah. All of those things are, are possible now and we're going to be introducing that through our announcements here over the next couple of weeks. People can also look at our webpage because we have some ideas for, for homeschooling, some things to help people think about it differently, how to structure the day, those kinds of things. And, and we really ought to be thinking about what does this make possible and try to help our students have the best education because that, at the end of the day, that's the goal. Yeah, well, think about the virtual office at home now. A lot of people are trying to be productive from home in their jobs and so forth. I mean, it, it really could lead to more homeschooling, more family involvement in the education process, more parental choice, so to speak. And uh, I think... Uh, certainly, there's not a lot of good about this coronavirus, but uh, one of the, there can be some ultimate benefits from this, and uh, one of those would be, you know, greater involvement in the f- for the family in the education process. Absolutely, and people should take a look at Classical Conversations. They have a great website, classicalconversations.com, and people can find out about all of that, uh, what they have to offer. And, and that, that's just one of them. We'll be announcing some others that, as we go along so people can begin to think about them. Because there really are some excellent, excellent resources, excellent helps for people. They don't have to feel like they're all alone with their children trying to figure out how to teach them math and science and all those kind of things. All of the support is there. They just have to find it and, uh, and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think your website is a great resource. GoFLCA.org. GoFLCA.org. Pastor Rick, I really appreciate uh, your contribution to the show, and thank you so much for everything you do in Tallahassee, helping with policy as well as legislation. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with, uh, I'm going to put in a call. I haven't heard from him, so I'm hopeful that Byron Donalds will be able to visit with us. He's our state representative as well as a U.S. Congress uh, candidate for U.S. Congress. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blueprint. 
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, doing great work, including making policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Of course, we're a little bit of a crisis right now, but that work is going to be so important once we get the uh, economy going again. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Byron Donalds, our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Byron. So uh, uh, I would really appreciate your comments and thoughts on what's happening now with the $2 trillion uh, stimulus package that's just been passed by the Senate, now going to the House. Uh, some of the things that have been, that have been uh, trying to uh, be shoved into this thing. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I would say that, you know, the Senate obviously struck a deal late the other night mm-hmm. to try to get this through. Uh, what we witnessed here with this with this uh, stimulus package was one of the worst uh, situations of, of terrible politics, trying to take advantage of a crisis, um, never um, not thinking truly about the American people, but thinking about your own constituency that I've ever seen. What Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the Democrats tried to do over the weekend um, was a complete travesty. And and I, for one, am never going to let that go. I'm not going to let people walk around thinking that, oh, well, you know, they were standing up for workers. That is not true. Um, mm-hmm. This bill could have got done a couple of days ago, Bob. It could have yeah. gotten done t- Monday or Tuesday right. instead of being done, which is probably going to look like Friday because mm-hmm. of just the way the legislative, legislative, uh, legislative uh, process works in D.C. Um, and every day that goes by is aid that is not getting to small businesses, is aid that's not getting to... Uh, people in America, workers in America. It's A, that's not getting to, yes, uh, corporations and large businesses, because at the end of the day, um, politicians, whether they're Republican or Democrat or interest groups, um, do not provide the the income and a standard of living to the American people. Businesses do, because yeah. people go to work and they earn a living. And so the fact that they were holding this all up because they wanted to get things into this bill, like unprecedented collective bargaining powers for unions, increased fuel emission standards for airlines, and it's more than that. They wanted the airline industry to be um, to be um, emission to basically be green 
mm-hmm. by 2035. Mm-hmm. Like that would have killed the airline industry. Mm-hmm. They wanted to expand wind and solar tax credits. Like none of that has anything to do with actually getting aid to the American people and to American businesses because the United States government, um, who in a lot of respects has acted rightly, in my opinion, under, under President Trump, has been trying to contain a, a viral epidemic. Right. And so they're trying to use that in order to get all their basic wish, wish lists through that they can never get through. Yeah. And, and so I, for one, am glad that most of that stuff is out of this package. Right. Um, it still remains to be seen what else is going to get into this package, because like you said, it cleared the Senate. It's got to go to the House now. Right. And Nancy Pelosi runs the House with the iron fist. It's going to be very interesting to see what she's going to do uh, today and potentially tomorrow. I would agree with that. And uh, one of the liabilities she had is, has, of course, is political because we're watching President Trump's, first of all, daily briefings to the American people, which, by, by the way, some media outlets are saying they don't want to do anymore because his popularity is rising. And uh, I think uh, Nancy Pelosi, she tries to pull any stunts there, the political stunts. I think it's going to really work against her and the entire party as we move into 2020 elections. I mean, Bob, let me be perfectly clear. She doesn't care, and neither do the Democrats, because what they're going to do is that what they're, they're going to do what they always do every single election cycle. They're going to run out there and talk about how they're standing for workers, and the Republicans only want to bail out corporations. First of all, this bill doesn't even contain bailouts. What it does, it's a loan program to businesses large and small. Right. The one thing I don't like about the bill is about how they might they can convert the airlines can convert theirs into grants. To me, the airline industry should pay their loans back too. Right. Um, the other part that I don't like about this bill is that they they're putting these restrictions on uh, stock buybacks, which you know that could be appropriate. Um, and, and 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 there are other measures in there like that. And I think that when government is being so particular about what a, a business can do or not do. With, with money that they borrow, that they, that's where there's a bridge too far. Because if they went to banks to borrow the type of money that they're talking about having to borrow to keep their industries and their businesses afloat, banks wouldn't even put those those kind of covenant restrictive covenants on lending right. the way the government is. So I think you know I think I think there's still things in that in this in the stimulus package that I don't 100 percent agree with. But that's not the point. The mm-hmm. point now is taking decisive action because government has interceded in the economy. And that is, that is very clear. And that's why, in some respects, the stimulus package is unprecedented because government has taken an unprecedented action. Yep. The thing going forward now is that the Democrats are never going to let a crisis go to waste because their whole view is they can go and campaign in October and September and say they're fighting for the little guy, they're, fi- they're fighting for people, they're fighting for minorities, while all the Republicans want to do is back corporations and be racist. And it's unfortunate that there are a lot of voters who are not paying attention to the intricacies of what's happening in Washington. Um, but the Democrats know this, and they're going to try to prey on that, and they're going to try to capitalize. Yeah, and of course, it's the corporations, small business, that's the engine that's keeping the economy going and keeping us all healthy and well. So, And I'm talking about financially. So, uh, you know, if you took all the assets in the world and liquidated them and uh, gave each person an equal share so we would have equality, that would be about $12,000 a person, <laughs> and we'd have no businesses, and everybody would be broke in a couple of months. So, you know, people have to understand, we have to get, it's key to keep businesses going and keep our economy, our free market economy working. That's the engine. It's certainly not uh, uh, payouts to individuals. That's not going to last very long. No, I totally agree with you there, Bob, and I think that, you know, one of the things that's happening now, especially in our state, is Governor DeSantis is getting a lot of criticism uh, from Democrats and a lot of people in media. And I'll say also some citizens, a lot of citizens, because he's not putting in this, this shelter-in-place order that's been put in New York and in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's happening in Florida is very different than what's happening in New York, specifically New York City. And as of 6 p.m. last night, Bob, um, Florida doesn't even have, we have about 2,000 cases, positive cases of COVID-19 in the entire state of Florida. 2,000. Right. The entire state. Most of our, of our COVID cases are in Miami-Dade, Broward County, and Palm Beach County. That's where the vast majority of these cases reside. Mm-hmm. Collier County has 41 cases as of yesterday. And so, to me, the governor's doing the exact right thing by not issuing these draconian measures that will that will cripple whatever's left of the Florida economy, as opposed to just taking a measured approach, 
um, trying to do what we can to isolate the cases that currently exist, do the additional testing to find out who else is sick, and try to isolate those people as well, and trying to make sure that we keep the vulnerable population, the people who are susceptible to this, to this uh, virus that can cause death, to make sure that they are specifically isolated so that they're so that they don't they don't die as a result right. of being exposed to this virus. Right. Uh, I think the governor's doing the exact right thing. Uh, I know we're going to be writing an op-ed on this and putting this out because it's important for people to read and understand that you can't shut down your economy because we're scared of a virus. Yeah, appreciate the update on that. That's an important perspective, and I like the fact that uh, our government right now in Florida, at least, is and I would say nationally through President Trump and the way he's leading this process is he wants people to take responsibility. He wants people as much as possible, rather than, for example, in New Mexico, he's saying they're not going to allow the uh, quinine. Uh, quinine uh, uh, remedy uh, to be taken by his citizens. That are, uh, you know, it's just a shame that uh, people should be making their own decisions. And I realize a lot of things that we're imposing on people are just very important for our own public health. But on the other hand, we need to give as much latitude as possible for people to make the right decisions. Couldn't agree with you more, Bob. Totally agree. So, uh, Byron Donalds, again, candidate for U.S. Congress. Uh, I support Byron, and I just encourage you to find out more about his candidacy. Visit uh, byrondonalds.com, byrondonalds.com. And when you do, make a contribution. That's politics around here. It's pretty expensive. So, uh, uh, money is the mother milk of politics. Byron, I genuinely appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Byron. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Uh, Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And, of course, the season's been canceled because of coronavirus. But big things happening in the fall, and I hope you'll check it out at gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Seton, are you there? Thank, thank you very much, sir. I uh, appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure indeed. By the way, uh, I heard you on the Rush Limbaugh show. <laughs> so congratulations to you. I think that's when, a, when was this? Oh, it has to be. I forgot to mention it to you, but it's got to be three or four weeks. Oh, yeah. I I have his like like actual personal email address. So 
I email him thoughts occasionally during the show, and sometimes he reads them, and sometimes he, he gives me credit for it. That's great. Well, in any event, uh, you wrote a great column, uh, and it's not about coronavirus, but it is about something very important. It's uh, Google tries to get the Supreme Court to pretend to be Congress and write them fake law. Of course, that's happening all the time, but maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it's judicial activism. It's what we've talked about before. It's, you know, um, we have three branches of government, the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. The legislative is supposed to write laws. That's the Congress, House, and Senate. They write bills. The chief executive, the head of the executive branch, the president, signs them into law. And then the judiciary, the judicial, is supposed to look at the laws when they're brought before them and determine whether or not they're constitutional. Mm -hmm. Well... As we know, uh, Congress has been ceding its authority, letting uh, the, ju the executive pretend to be the legislative, letting the judiciary pretend to be the legislative. Uh, when, the le when the judiciary does it, it's, it's rather than saying, okay, this law needs to be changed, <laughs> the judiciary says, okay, and we'll change it. And, yeah. and then they, they rewrite statute, and, or they write statute out of whole cloth. Um, a, a quintessential example, of course, is, and whether it's statute or the Constitution, like they find things in the Constitution that don't actually exist in the Constitution. One of the most famous examples is Roe v. Wade, mm -hmm. where they created out of whole cloth a right to abortion. Uh, an emanation from a penumbra is, is, is in the majority ruling. And if even people who are pro-abortion, are like, oh, yeah, that's bad rule. <laughs> that's, yeah. bad, that's bad judiciary work. That's, that's a really bad ruling. And so what Google's doing is Google stole Java code. Java is a, a type of open source platform. And what open source platforms are on the, uh, for web building and, 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 and software building is there's a lot of basics that have to go, foundational um, code that has to go into a lot of different things, variation, you know, not the exact same code, but the same type of code. Yeah. And what Java is, is it says, okay, you can use our foundational code. And the only conditions are, one, what you make with it, you keep open to everybody like, you, like the Java itself was, uh -huh. or you get a license from the owner of Java, which is a company named Oracle. Well, Google doesn't play well with others when it comes to a lot of things, including intellectual property. They took the code, they took thousands of lines of code from Java, wrote what is now the number one operating system, mobile operating system on the planet, Android. Of course, they locked it down and didn't get a license, didn't get any licenses from Oracle. So in 2010, this goes back to, they started writing Java, uh, Android in 07. So the, in 2010, Oracle sued. This has been ping-ponging its way up the court system. It has now reached the Supreme Court. Well, the, the Constitution has in it a part called, nicknamed, the Copyright Clause, where it says, for a limited time, creators of things can have exclusive rights to those things mm -hmm. in order to stimulate and, and inspire people to invest in creating them. Because, of course, if you spend time and money creating something and they can't make money off it, you'll very quickly stop spending time creating and uh, spending time and money creating things. Right. Because human nature dictates this. Nobody wants to get and stiff. And the founding fathers realized it. Yep. So... The, the, they had the copyright clause on the assault. They also had the copyright law of 1976 and its amendment in 1980, which is on their side, which, said, which, which lays out exactly what Java is. Well, I mean, not, it doesn't name Java by name because it's, it's prior to yeah. um, the creation of the Internet. But, but um, it, it, it lays out in specific terms what Java does, what it is, what Oracle owns, the rights it possesses, and Google's violation of it. So if Google wants to change that, 
They shouldn't be before the Supreme Court. They shouldn't be in any court at all. That's right. They should be in Congress, getting Congress to rewrite the 1976 law and its 1980 <laughs> amendment. Well, what's it, and this is being adjudicated right now in the Supreme Court session. Oh uh, well, yeah, it was it was it was picked up for this term in November, but now of course everything's scrambled because everything's delayed because of the China virus. Yeah, yeah. So it's so interesting because it's a big deal because protecting patent rights. Uh, They're calling this the people in the tech world are calling this the copyright case of the century. Right. Because what w- w- this this case is going to determine whether or not there are ever going to again be open source platforms like Java. Right. And, and this or, you, you know, if you're, if you're allowed, if the court decides, if it rewrites the, the, the Constitution of the 1976 Act and decides Google can take it and not conf, conf, comport to the contractual obligations in taking it, then... Everyone will take everything, and no one will make anything. That's right, and, and which then, of course, nobody will uh, be innovating and bringing us new patents and new th- new ideas that will make the, the economy and our lives better. Uh, so it's a big, it's a, it is a big, big deal. I will say the Supreme Court uh, came out with a ruling, which I'm so pleased about. They they said that uh, hey, if uh, you want to claim racism. <laughs> you have to prove that racism led to certain decisions. That, you know, another that seems well. That's that's a good decision as far as it goes. What the Supreme Court should have ruled is the federal government is proscribed by the First Amendment to not get into racism, determining racism cases. Right. Well, the First Amendment says we have the freedom to assemble or not assemble any way we wish completely free of government imposition or interference. That's exactly right. However, we're long so, beyond so that. What the court should have said was, this is none of the government's business and, and, you know, and, and start overturning all these discrimination uh, lawsuits, I mean uh, laws, going all the way back to the Civil Rights Act, because the Civil Rights Act is a gigantic assault on the First Amendment. Well, as a matter of fact, that was uh, the... Uh a candidate for president, Goldwater, uh, received a, a, an opinion from Robert Bork, who uh, was a uh, Supreme Court nominee, uh, and basically, 75-page opinion, basically saying there were flaws in the legislation for the uh, civil rights law, so Goldwater voted against it. At that point in time, interesting fa- fact, uh, the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, you know what, I'll never vote Republican again because of the vote that he made. It certainly hurt. Why, because he did- Republican, because he, if he's if he's willing to violate the Constitution to that degree, we don't need him. Well, you know, but the point is that it, it had influence on uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, black well, people. That's why the Democrats did it. That's right. That is exactly. There were two reasons the Democrats did it: to screw the Constitution and to screw with Republican voting bases. Yeah, absolutely. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, a very interesting website. Go to lessgovernment.org. Also, Less Government uh, is on Facebook as well. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thanks for bringing us, bringing us up to date. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. 
You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Well, of course, this is after the uh, pandemic, but you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us uh, the mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. Uh, It's a little bit difficult to hear you, but... uh uh, it's nice to be on the show. Well, thank you, Bill. Is that a little bit better? Not really. Um, no, it's it's just it's always a little bit uh, tough to hear. Um, I don't I don't know. You always say it's your equipment. It probably is. Yeah, I'm, I'm... but uh, here I am out here uh, in beautiful uh, uh, Naples, at, in line at Costco with about a hundred of my friends this morning. <laughs> oh my goodness! So tell us about what's. Uh, why are you in line at Costco? Get this volume a little bit better. Okay. So why why can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you fine, Bill. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're just very very faint. That's all. How about that? Um, but uh, anyway, it's um, it's been uh, kind of wild because they have a seniors' day out here today, and uh, they um, they said uh, they start, just started it this week, and they said if you're 60 or over from eight to nine, they're going to open up. Well, I should have got here at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So, well, the other question is, once you get in there, are they going to have uh, full, full shelves? Well, that's, that, that's the real question. Once you, once you get in, will, will whatever you're looking for be, whatever you're looking for be, be on the shelf? So who knows? It's true. You know, it, 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 this really does impact what's going on is impacting so many businesses. I have advertisers like Lulabee's Grill or Lulabee's the Diner and uh, as uh, Blue Provence. These are great restaurants that have closed down right now. They just can't be open. Is that because- any better, Bob? Pardon me? Is that any better? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you? Oh, okay. I can hear you a little better now. Okay. So uh, I was just mentioning the restaurants are closed. This is so devastating to the owners, to the workers, to, you know, you really get close to understanding exactly what's going on here, and we're going to get people back to work. Well, that's just it. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's really, really, um, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, but at least there's a lot of them, there's at least a lot of them uh, doing... Um, doing um uh you know take doing takeout so uh um you know which is a which is a good thing it is um because at least it gives them at least a little a little business you know what i mean oh i do I, absolutely well people are doing whatever they can and i think that's a good thing uh but, I mean, yeah i mean that you know you you do what you got to do um i just don't understand i mean we've been requesting uh that the governor put, uh, um, you know, go the, you know, in, everybody should just be locked down, so to speak, mm-hmm. like other states are doing, and um, and he doesn't want to do it, and I'm sure he's got a good reason, but I'm not quite sure why. I'm getting more emails about what's the matter with you. You're not doing your job. You know, you got the beaches closed. You got everything else closed. Why don't you just go in and you know go on that quarantine or whatever? So. You know, whatever works, as long as we try and stay healthy. That's it. So, again, Bill, listen, I know you're in line here, and I know you're having difficulty uh, hearing me, but I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you and appreciate the great leadership you provided to the Naples area and the Paradise Coast over the last 25 years. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thanks, Bob. And um, next week, we'll, we'll, today's the last day you speak to me as, uh, as the mayor, because next Wednesday it changes hands, so next Thursday... 
we'll have a good conversation about some things we couldn't even talk about. That is so true, Bill. I genuinely... Can I ask you a quick question before you boot me off here? Are, are you still playing some golf? You know what? Uh, I am. And uh, the, the uh, rumor out there is that Lee County has closed down golf, golf courses. Oh. And I expect it. And, and a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen in Collier County. And that's they, they, I think there's kind of a me too thing going with with uh, local governments. Uh, yeah, I can do anything sure. you can do. Gonna well, I'll... Um, I'll catch up with you next week for sure, and we'll we'll make up for today. I, I we got to fix your uh, your volume there because I, I even have that problem at home sometimes. Yeah, well, the other so, thing, the other thing we'll too is I'm. Sh- you take care and, uh, and 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 have a good week. You have a great week too, Mr. Mayor. Thank you so much. So he's uh, there in line in Costco, and I would imagine there's a lot of noise going on. Probably a lot of not a lot of social distancing going on there at line in. <laughs> in Costco, but indeed a real sign of the times. Well, uh, during her 12 p.m. Eastern Time, our show on Wednesday, MSNBC anchor Andrea Mitchell revealed her greatest fear amid the coronavirus pandemic. Donald Trump's approval ratings are going up. She fretted over likely Democrat nominee Joe Biden having difficulty getting his message out during the crisis, and support for the president is skyrocketing, in her words. Uh, turning to former Obama administration official Jim Messina, Mitchell anxiously noted, there's politics involved. We've heard very little from, for instance, the more likely, most uh, likely dominee of the Democrat Party, Joe Biden. He's having difficulty getting projected through the crisis as the campaign goes totally on hold. And if that wasn't bad enough, the MSNBC host referenced positive poll numbers for Trump. We're also seeing some poll numbers indicating the president's approval rating among Democrats and independents is skyrocketing to their highest levels yet. Some 60% approval rating for the way he's handling the crisis as he continues to hold these briefings. The briefings are working for the president. In frustration, she added, no matter what he says, people do seem to be seeing him as a leader. At least people do. Uh, Messina desperately tried to reassure her fellow Democrat. Yeah, as you know, Andrea, you and I share a healthy skepticism on public polling, and I think you know what people show right now is that it's not going to be what happens, right? The problem President Trump has is he's made a bunch of promises, and they've turned out to be wrong on this virus. And going forward, once we get really deep into this the next couple of weeks, the American people are going to look back and say, what did he? you say that he would happen and what actually happened? The Obama hack concluded, I would reject all the polls that you see back and forth. President Trump's comments are someday going to be on a television ad, and it's going to be really difficult for him to rebut in the fall of the year. That's She really said that. I'm not kidding. So there's somebody who's really saying, we need some really bad results here. Otherwise, the president's going to look good. And if he looks good, that would be tragic. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, they literally are rooting for bad outcomes. Now, first of all, the president's not making any promises. He's suggesting, he set a, a goal uh, to have uh, in 15 days to, to start opening up the economy. He said he'll be looking at it every day and he'll be adjusting to new information. So he's not making a promise, but he's setting a goal, uh, what uh, Mnuchin called an aspirational goal for all of us to uh, be able to get back to work and get working and uh, get the economy going again. So, uh, you know, the president, I think, is is uh, doing the right things, but I think it's really setting the uh, mainstream media on its on its head when it comes to uh, these what's happening with his popularity. In fact, a national public radio station, KUOW-FM in Seattle, has announced it will no longer air President Trump's daily White House Coronavirus Task Force press briefing, saying the decision is due to a pattern of false or misleading information provided that cannot be fact-checked in real time. That from KUOW Radio. It's a college-owned radio station, University of Washington, but irrespective. Um, as you can see, they just don't like the fact, uh, again, the president's popularity is going through the roof. 60% right now, based on everything that's going on. And by the way, have you watched any of the press briefings? Is he presidential? I think he's acting very presidential, very controlled, very, uh, uh, I think, respectful. He's been He talked positively about the governor of California, about the governor of New York, and... Um, 
you know, I think he's doing a great job. <laughs> I think, and I quite frankly am optimistic things are going to turn around for us and we'll find a solution like this quinine solution and other things that uh, will start helping people get out of the symptoms of coronavirus and it will help us get back to work. Just my thoughts, my opinion. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat, will be joining us, as well as Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He's not going to be happy with some of the legis- something in the legislation uh, that uh, passed last night about unions, people that get, uh, companies that get uh, uh, loans from the government will have to be quote-unquote neutral when it comes to unionizing. Not sure exactly what that means in practice, but, uh, you know, that's something the Democrats got in the bill. Anyhow, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>